welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson here, Barton Simmons there. Uh, We are rolling right along, recording here on a Wednesday. We've got the the Big 12 Media Days are going on in Dallas. The Big 12 is our focus for today. And uh, and Barton, man, this is a a conference as we begin to sit down and look at the the 2017 season ahead – uh, you know, just to just a review for those fans who might have been living under Lay Rocks, like this is an entirely new Big Twelve. Um, we already had a new era with the expansion, with the change in the membership, but the league goes as Texas and Oklahoma go. We got Tom Herman replacing Charlie Strong at Texas. This is a huge year for the coach who already won us over with his grills, his ice, and everything else he did at Houston. But then Bob Stoops steps down in the spring. Lincoln Riley promoted. Um, I mean, this is, I would say that while or we've already done the ACC and we, we've already done the SEC, I would say in terms of intrigue, uh, the Big 12, and then maybe I would only say the Pac-12, which we're going to get to uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I would say this is probably where the most intrigue is in college football this fall. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and this is, I mean, for so long, the Big 12 has been everybody's punching bag. And, and you know, talk about, it's sort of the clear fifth conference. And, and they haven't had success in the college football playoffs. And, and Oklahoma is really the only saving grace. Texas is down. All this stuff. And, and um, and we got yet another conference commissioner through all this saying that he's the, the, the head of the best conference in college football. <laughs> Bob Bowles be called the Big 12 the best conference top to bottom. So, um, you know, it's but but here we are and, and the season's coming up. And, you know, Chip, to, to me, the Big 12 is in some ways got a chance to be back. Like, I, I think. I ranked the the I, I kind of took these all these conference commissioners talking about their conferences being the best in the country, and I went ahead and, and and did a rank and wrote a story talking about you know how I slotted the conferences heading into this year, like projecting it out. And to me, the Big Twelve was third. Mm. Like I, I I don't know if that's crazy to to, to say that, but I I mean we'll talk team by team, but. Everybody in the Big 12, I, I feel like, is going to be improved this year. Um, and, I, you know, I just think that this is a conference that gets a bad rap or has gotten a bad rap. And, and as you kind of alluded to, it's it's really about, you know, where is Texas? I mean, Oklahoma's done their part. And it's with, with only 10 teams, if you only have one real contender, um, you're going to struggle a little bit. But if Texas can up their game, and, and Lord knows – Look, if the media pundits know anything, then Tom Herman better be a heck of a coach because we've all been touting his horn for for so long. So if Texas can do anything, uh, then then to me, the Big 12's got a chance to be really, really good. When Charlie Strong was at Texas, in your view, like I like so. Malik Jefferson, like stellar quarterback, uh, Shane Bouchelle, like a uh, highly rated prospect. I mean, top to bottom, was was Texas's recruiting hurt by their uh, their inability to match some of the expectations of the Texas fan base on the field? Well, they, <clears throat> I mean, they've been recruiting at such a high level, and and they're, they're I mean, they still. That's one of the reasons why. With, I mean, I think we'll talk so. When, when Tom Herman took the Texas job, I, I really think he was stepping into a situation. Like, let's let's look at it this way. Like, to you, given the Texas roster, given the Texas history over the last five years or so of success or, or lack thereof, and and then given what, what say Lincoln Riley stepping into, who's who has the better situation to you, Lincoln Riley? See, here's I would I would argue that maybe it's even Tom Herman that has the better situation, and not to, to say that the, the t- uh, Texas is going to be better than Oklahoma this year, but Lincoln Riley has to sustain 
all that success that Bob Stoops has put together. He's got to do it in what I think is a uptrending Big 12. He's got to do it with a coaching staff that he inherited. And, and meanwhile, at, at Texas, you've got Tom Herman stepping into a situation where he's got his entire staff at Houston that he's bringing with him for the most part. Um, guys that he's, that, that he's comfortable with, he's won with before. He's got a, a, a really, really talented roster. And, and, and well, he's, he's got, also, and he's has, also got the resources, man. Like that's what I, I will, uh, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Like I think Lincoln Riley is definitely, uh, better suited now, but man, uh, there's, there is a, a component of Tom Herman where I think he is going to find both because like, I mean, Texas has been a little bit of a mess at the administrative level. You know, like yeah. with athletic directors, with presidents, you've been changing people in and out. Mike Perrin seems to be uh, someone who everyone around Austin is very confident with. And like we've seen like like from the sports business side, you know, I, I see these these beer deals with Corona and everybody laughs. And let me tell you, horns up, lines, limes in is one of the best catchphrases that I've heard in a long time. But like what I'm also seeing is investment. Like I am seeing like real smart investment, marketing, branding, the kind of stuff where you're going to be able to turn the Longhorn football brand into a machine again where Tom Herman can be its CEO. Like, there is, like sky is the limit. I don't know if Tom Herman will win national championships at Texas, but he is going to have every opportunity to. Well, and, and there's buy-in, too. I think that's huge. I mean, because when you look at the Mac, the way the Mac Brown era ended, there was all sort of discord and, and, and disagreement over how it should end. Should we be pushing Mac Brown out? Should should he be able to leave on his own terms? Then Charlie Strong comes, and, and I don't think he was a universally accepted hire. He never really endeared himself to the people of Texas quite the way that, uh, frankly, Tom Herman has. I mean, that, that was a unanimous this is the guy no question yep. if we don't get Tom Herman it's a failure they got Tom Herman so I think he has an opportunity to bring the family together uh, everyone wants to come together they, they want to have this reunion and look if he goes if he gets eight or eight or you know, if he gets nine wins he's a he's a savior he's a hero um, you know and, and to, to that Lincoln Riley comparison if Lincoln Riley gets nine wins that's a disappointment and right. so um, I, I just think in some ways, as a head coach, I would rather be in Tom Herman's shoes than Lincoln Riley's shoes, given what's on the roster. And and frankly, look, we, we got to find out if these guys can really play because everyone talks about how talented Texas's roster is. But as long as they're winning five or six games a year, then th- that that's that doesn't really matter. I, I think the talent has to show up on the field. But um, look. Charlie Strong did a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of culture, changing the culture and, and getting some toughness back in that program. He, he brought the talent, and, and now Tom Herman, I think, has a chance to reap the benefits. But, you know, we'll dig into Texas a little bit more uh, as we get into the podcast yeah. today, too. All right. But before we get into uh, the team-by-team breakdown of the win totals, I want to throw this question at you. Uh, you mentioned you're bullish on the Big 12. Uh, we're going to start our win totals at the top with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Who beyond those two teams, the Bedlam rivals, do you think is going to be uh, a surprise team? Like who are the team, or maybe a couple of the teams that you are particularly bullish on? Because, you know, I I said it before, every, every conference has good teams, every conference has bad teams, but your conference strength will ultimately be determined by the way the, that middle core is and particularly how they play out of conference. Uh, who do you like from the middle of that Big 12? Who do you think that maybe uh, you are a little bit higher on than the public consensus? Well, I'll give you, I mean, there's... To me, there's two, um, really three, probably. I mean, I, I think TCU is – no one is talking about TCU. We've almost all forgotten TCU after one down year last year. Um, you know, and, and I think that they, with Gary Patterson there as a head coach, um, you know, he hasn't forgotten how to coach. And he's got yeah. a lot of players back. I think it's the most experienced team returning in the Big 12 – they're going to be really good, I think. We just talked about Texas. Look, there's there's so much upside there right now. There is already. Doesn't take long. I think Texas has a ton of ceiling, and then Kansas State, which is another team people just sort of forget about nationally. 
But look, this is exactly the kind of team that Bill Snyder has has won big with in the past. So there's those. But then, you know, quickly, I think Baylor has just hired one of the best coaches in college football. I think West Virginia maybe has one of the most important transfer injections with with Will Greer. Like their quarterback situation last year was so mediocre and and now they've actually got a really good quarterback that Dana Holgerson can can work with. So I mean I think it's right there. That's seven teams. And again, Baylor, this may not be the year, but I just think in general, it's a it's an uptrending conference. All right, let's get into it. Oklahoma, uh, over under win total. Uh, I will be using the updated Bovada numbers, Barton. So if uh, if you've got them pulled up, uh, I'll call them out. We got nine point five. 9.5 for the Oklahoma Sooners. We have Baker Mayfield back, but where are the other options? Like, we lose Samaj P. Ryan. We lose D.D. Westbrook. Like, there are a, a, an incredible lack of weapons on the offensive side. I think the defense is really talented, and I think that they're going to be solid. But you just mentioned nine wins would be a disappointment. Uh, I think that they're expecting Oklahoma to be a 10-2 and two type team. And that includes, by the way, for the win total, they got to play Ohio State again. I yeah. Man, I, I feel really good about this under. I've got Oklahoma as a 9-3. and three, And yeah, that's going to be tough for Lincoln Riley. But uh, again, with the way the rest of the Big 12 is, uh, I'm going under on 9.5. Really? Wow, that's interesting. So, and and the when you posted your story, Chip, earlier in the, the summer – uh, on win totals, it was at ten. So it's that that number's actually moved down to nine and a half. So Vegas is it sounds like they're on your side of things. But God, when I was looking at this and I was thinking about this, in some ways, like I was looking at it the other way in in terms of why aren't more people talking about Oklahoma as a legitimate national title contender? Um, I, I mean, I agree. Look, I think Ohio State, it's hard for me to see that being a win, especially when they're going to the shoe. But why not? I mean, they do have Baker Mayfield, and everyone's no one seems to be really talking about the fact that they've got you know, a, a Heisman Trophy finalist, a guy that has to be considered one of the favorites to win it this year, and they've got pretty much everybody else back other than those running backs. And it's not like Lincoln Riley – doesn't know how to manufacture some offense. True, uh, you know they've they've got a great offensive line back. I think they return every offensive line starter. They've got the big tight end Mark Andrews. Uh, you know they got another JUCO guy and Marquise Brown, who's sort of that, that sort of um, speed guy. Uh, Jeff Adette from Kentucky coming in. I, I just think offensively, there's no reason to even concern ourselves with that. Ooh, like, there's no question. Okay. All right. <laughs> You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Lincoln Riley's going to figure it out. Baker Mayfield's going to run around back there and get some points up on the board. And so I, I think this OU team, has, to me, has a chance to really, like, spoil the party, I guess, nationally. And, and look, I'll admit, coming into this thing, I was thinking, hey, um, you know, your national title contenders are Alabama, they're USC, Florida State, uh, your Big Ten, you know, two or three didn't even think about OU, but as I dig into it a little bit more, I don't know, man. Like I, I think that this is a team. Like I feel pretty good about getting to ten. I don't know. I, I don't see more than one loss the rest of the Big Twelve, but uh, you know, again, they do have to go to Oklahoma State, so um, it, it'll be you know, it, it's hard for me to take the under. I'll put it that way. No, nah, it is ju- even at nine point five. It is juice to the over. Like we we're looking at a team that is expected to win. Uh, about 10 games, no doubt. But I mean, I, I see four games and you know, you just mentioned Matt Rule at Baylor as you think one of the best coaches in college football. Like I, I think that Oklahoma, after really running the Big 12 here for a hot minute, it just, you know how college football sometimes over the course of like three to four years, some teams just get got. Like I, I, I look at, uh, at Baylor and I look at the, the shootout, the Red River shootout, and I look at at Oklahoma State, and I'm like, man, I I don't think it would – I mean, the Baylor one would be a huge upset, no doubt. But I think that at the end of the season, if we look back, you know, those are four games that I think are potential losses for the Oklahoma Sooners between Ohio State, Baylor, 
Oklahoma State and Texas, and that's like a that's that is, that is too many uh, dangerous spots for a first time first time ever head yeah. coach for me to feel like this team's going ten and two. Yeah, and and don't forget at Kansas State too. That, oh that is, yeah, that's yeah, that's Trap City. That's Trap City. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's right after the Texas game. You know, there'll be a, you know a little bit of a letdown, maybe like I that that's look I. You're right. I mean, this is in some ways this OU, and and I think that speaks too to the like I was talking about the strength of the Big Twelve. I think they're the fact that you can look at the Big Twelve conference. And and you just don't, you know, you feel like there's a lot of losable games there for OU. To me, tells you sort of where this conference is. But I, you know, I think they will be better on defense. I'm I'm really excited to see Neville Gallimore and, and how he's developing a defensive Ooh. tackle that I think is a stud. Agbo Okoronkwo is, is maybe a first round draft pick uh, just because of his speed rush, like his 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 pass rush ability off the edge. You're a hey, you're a first round draft pick for getting that pronunciation down right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I don't give him enough love in like radio hits just because I I, I get triggered. Intimidated by yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I, it's it, the more when I hear you talk about it, Chip, I, I'll admit, like it, it gives me a little pause to start like yelling about like maybe they could have a national title run, especially when I look at the Ohio State game and really, if no, no part of me is confident in picking OU in that game. Um, but it, it's going to be, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if, if this is a, if this is a team that's, you know, heading into the playoffs at, at uh, 12 and one after winning the, the big 12 title game. Ooh, yeah, we, we still got to, all right, so let's, let's do Oklahoma <laughs> state, the bedlam rival first, and then uh, yeah. maybe a little sidestep into a uh, big 12 title game talk. Oklahoma state's, uh, over under, we're looking at around nine with a little bit of an even split here. Um, this is a team that I I was coming in like January. My early thoughts were when Mason Rudolph and James Washington say they're going to come back. Um, when I see sort of the vibe around Oklahoma State, it has that sort of 2011 type feel in terms of the confidence that is coming from Stillwater. And I was thinking I was down on Oklahoma sort of early and maybe that sort of influence in what I'm thinking right now here in July, but I was thinking Oklahoma state or Kansas state. And now I'm feeling even better uh, about my Oklahoma state pick. So because of that, uh, I got to go over here. I think Oklahoma state, they're not going to go 12 and zero. like they're going to get tripped up somewhere, but by getting the Oklahoma game at home, I've got them winning the Big 12, and I've got them winning it thanks to like the the tiebreaker that'll probably help them get into uh, that Big 12 championship game. I, I'm going over on the regular season win total. I've got them 10 and two or better. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the defense. You know, they weren't that great defensively last year, and and they've only got five guys coming back on that side of the ball, so. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just I don't know a whole lot about this defensive unit. Uh, no, no names jump off the page at me as guys that I just think are are studs. But Glenn Spencer, gotta, Glenn Spencer ain't enough for you. You can't just get put your faith in in the old guy <laughs> to figure something out. I mean, like like look, the pit game might be basketball. You know. Like yeah. the the there are going to be some game Tulsa might be a basketball game. I mean there are going to be some some games that are going to be decided in the 40s and 50s no doubt, but I just think with Rudolph and Washington, I it's really tough for me to not think that they're going to be able to just outscore teams. No, and look, I'm with you on that. I mean, so I, what I wrote down is is if you're looking for your for this year's Washington in the playoffs, Ooh. I mean, I think Oklahoma State's a candidate. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, to me, and I don't want to do, give too much of a spoiler in our in our Big Ten preview, but to me, if you're looking for, and there's a, you know, often there's that one team that nobody really saw coming. Um, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back. I picked Washington in the playoffs preseason last year, but if you're looking for that that Washington team this year, I think it's Oklahoma State, and and I think Wisconsin could be another another option for that pick. But uh, Oklahoma State, it's I mean it, it is to, like. It's all about those offense. I mean, that offense is going to be maybe the best best offense in college football. And I, I saw actually at the, the Elite 11 this summer, Mason Rudolph 
throwing with uh, with Sam Darnold and and a couple other quarterbacks as a counselor out there. And and Matt, that that dude's a tank. Like he's a big, <laughs> he's like, a big dude. Yeah, he's like got tree trunk legs and a thick upper body, and he's just like he's the type of guy who's just such a talented passer. But he's going to have a couple Ben Roethlisberger moments where he shrugs off somebody and 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 gets the ball to James Washington or Jalen McCleskey, and 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 they just get going. So I I, I, I I can't wait to watch this team, um, but man, uh, and hey, it's going to be a fun year to be an Oklahoma State fan because, like you said, I think they are going to have some basketball scores this year, um, and it's going to be look they got Oklahoma at home, which is huge. You know they've got Kansas State at home, they've got TCU at home. To me, those are the those are the teams like those are the teams that that are the biggest contenders in the big 12 and to get all those teams at home that, that, that counts for a lot. And so it's going to be a really interesting year. I, I, I'm with you. I would take the over. Um, and, and Hey, let's, let's just put the chips on Glenn Spencer and say, go, go get a big guy. Okay. <laughs> see if you can get that defense rolling. Uh, all right. So do you think that the big 12 championship game will help or hurt the league's playoff chances? Well, I, I think it'll help in the sense that if you got a team that's good enough to be in the, the playoffs, then I think that they'll figure out a way to get in now. I mean, I think that like it, it'll hurt if you if it's a bad conference, like if if you don't have that that top four team. I, I think that there'll be there won't be a deserving team out of the Big Twelve that gets left out. If that makes sense. Ooh, uh, even if you know they lose, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. But w- what if it's like the top team in the Big Twelve? in the top four, loses the Big 12 championship game? Uh, uh, you know, I think, again, like... It, is that a, too many hypotheticals? Is, is that it, Well, like, no, it's, I mean, it's a, to me, like, this may not be the answer that Big 12 fans want to hear, but then to me, as a fo- college football fan, maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong perspective, but then as a college football fan, then I'm like, well, that team wasn't a top four team anyways. Ooh! So, yes! <laughs> So Hard ass. <laughs> I, I'm good with it. Like I like it. I, yeah, I'm glad yeah. they've got it. So then now we can, as as like national college football people, can look at it and say, all right, uh, you know, Oklahoma, go win the Big Twelve championship game now, and and you know, that should be enough to get you in. Or if you can't win it, then you know what, we, we didn't need you anyways. Where are you at with it? Uh, I think it's going to hurt the league overall. Um, I thought that, or how about this? I think that it is not the right message for Bob Bowlesby to say that the conference championship game will help the, help them get into the playoff because for my money, it is about money. Like I, I think it's a great opportunity for the league to capitalize on a weekend where everyone else gets to have their moment you know that last saturday that and then you know for the pac-12 they played on friday but like that last weekend is a showcase is what it feels like and like you know maybe it is for the playoff because i i've said before like you we see the cameras of the playoff selection committee on that final weekend they just sit around like a bunch of college football fans with like five <laughs> TVs up and like all the sweet tea that you could ever want to have to drink and just like sit around and, and take in a football. And it's just not as impressive when your big 12 champion is playing against Kansas than if yeah. they're playing against another like quality competition team. Yeah. And don't tell me that if you roll up there and, and, and put, you know, like Ohio state did to Wisconsin a couple years ago where you just, just roll somebody. I mean, that's, those college football playoff folks are are human, and, yeah. and uh, I mean they're they're going to um, be influenced by that. And so I I I agree with you in that that it's like it's a money play, but at the same time it's it is an opportunity for for the Big Twelve to get what they deserve or or not. <laughs> like it's a good you know. Yeah, I like your side. That's something that nobody from the Big Twelve is saying is because nobody from the Big Twelve wants to admit it. It's like, well, well, if they can't win the Nash- the conference championship game, maybe they don't deserve a spot for the national championship. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think they Sick. do. And so it's going to be fun. I mean, I think I, I think for again, as a college football fan, it's it gives us a better opportunity to make sure we've all got the right four in there. So I'm 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 excited about it. I like that take so much. I'll credit you as a way to plug our podcast, but just a heads up for like the next month and a half when people ask me about it, 
Uh, that's that's got to be the take. Well, you couldn't win it. Sorry, we didn't want you anyway. All right. Let's go to Baylor. Uh, Let's see. I'm looking at Baylor with Matt Rule. um, About seven and a half, eight wins. We're mixing it up. We're going to have fullbacks on the field. Um, I I think that seven and five is not a disappointment. Do you think that we'll catch eight and four for the Baylor Bears? So what's our number here? Are we seven and a half? half? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I – I actually wrote down seven wins. I think it's a seven-win team this year. Uh, just because there's some transition that's going to have to take place. I think they lose some games. Like they, They're probably a team that's capable of losing to a Texas Tech or an Iowa State or, or even a Kansas, but they're also capable of beating anyone in the conference as well. Like I think it's they've got that sort of a, uh, a spectrum. And, and But I, I do – I mean – this to me, I think Baylor's in great shape long term. I think that I, I I'll say it again. To me, Matt Rule is is, and I, I've never met Matt Rule. I, I don't know him, but I've talked to other coaches who have either been around him or or met him at clinics or you know just played against him. And he is, I think, you know, he is universally really high well respected he was really kind of the guy that like he could have been at Oregon if he wanted to which is fascinating to me that he chose the Baylor gig instead um but that means he wants to be there like he he has a plan a vision for this thing and I think he's going to get get it right but you mentioned it like they're going to have tight ends and fullbacks in there they're going to be switching to more of a pro style system um it's there's going to be some adjustments period here and and that means a little bit of winning some games you you don't expect them to, and maybe losing a couple you you know you don't expect them to as well. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like seven wins is about right. They've still got a lot of talent on offense. I still think their receiving core is is really good. Their quarterback is is probably good enough, um, and I really like their defensive coordinator too, and Phil Snow. But Again, we just look at the rest of that conference, and, and if there's going to be an under somewhere, um, this is one of those that, that I feel like is is you know I'd take the under on. It's I think it will. They've got some tough games early that I think will become good learning experiences. I'm with you. I'm going on the under, going seven wins. But like the the wins the wins that are there, getting them later, I think will benefit this Baylor team. I think that you know, you know, like that when they start to make the switch, when they start to really feel comfortable, all of a sudden here's Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, boom, 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 three great opportunities uh, to become bowl eligible to get those fifteen extra practices. Because, well, I you know I called the I called the Oklahoma game earlier, but like to to your point, I could see them losing at Duke and then turning right. around and then getting like the Oklahoma upset the next week. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Like this is a different. It's, it, where you were so used to to seeing Baylor just run through like sleepwalk to six and zero with all their one double leg games and and uh, Big Twelve cupcakes early in the season and and this year, you know, at Duke is a better game than we're used to seeing Baylor play early. Oklahoma and Kansas in, in weeks four and five is or Kansas State four and five is. I mean, those are tough matches. Those are obviously. losses. Yeah, those are losses in my book, and yeah, those are so, going to be like good lesson learning losses from Matt Rule and this staff. They'll be three and two or two and three. They'll go into a bye week and they'll probably get beat at Oklahoma State again. And so that's that's a you know as a start they're what two and four or three and three, and and I agree with you. And at that point they'll know who they are. They'll find a little momentum and and then watch out if you're you know if you're Texas if you're TCU at the end of the season. Um, I think that they could. This sets up. Uh, you know I like where you're going. Like this sets up to be a team. That maybe ends up seven and five, but man, they're feeling great heading into bowl season. They're so co- their confidence is sky high heading into the, the the bowl practices and and heading into the 2018 season. And 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 then I think they're off and running. All right, I am with you on Gary Patterson. Didn't forget how to coach, and we've referenced the uh, the old coaching rankings before. And Gary Patterson's sort of one of those like perma top 10 coaches in my book. I just think that when it comes to coaching the game of football to young people, 
There are just very few people in the country who do it better than Gary Patterson, and certainly he's even got the body of work to back that up over his career at TCU. Now, seven and a half is the number here. It might have been eight before because it's juiced right now to the over. So we're looking at like a you know seven, eight win season for the Horn Frogs. But Barton, you say that you're you're pretty confident here, and I I wanna. Like, like, other than Gary Patterson, you know, where's the where's the real confidence coming from? Because I don't have TCU totally figured out. I think that they'll be able to get the win. I think they'll be able to start three and zero, no doubt. But depending on how you feel about West Virginia, uh, things could get a little bit tougher down the stretch. Well, the the one question here, like if 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 TCU had a quarterback that we that we really liked. Then I think we would be, I mean, confidence would be sky high. But I don't know how much we can really, or how much I can at least really fully get behind Kenny Hill. Like if, if they had a quarterback, if they, you know, brought in a, a JUCO like a Gerard Evans type of JUCO transfer. Though I don't know how, you know, Kenny Hill may be kind of about what Gerard Evans was, but. Uh, if if they had brought in somebody here, or, Gerard or, Evans, hey, Gerard Evans is a better decision. Was a better decision maker than Kenny Hill. That's probably correct. Yeah, yeah. But but so if they had someone like that, if they had a Jared Stidham that was coming off of a transfer, uh, sitting out year, you know, then then I think this is like one of those teams you throw in there with a, a Wisconsin or Oklahoma State as a, a dark horse playoff team. Um, but look, they they returned ten starters on offense. Um, they've they've been really good offensively. Uh, you know, the, Sonny Cumbie is is Doug Meacham's gone. Sonny Cumbie's still there. Um, they've Sonny Dykes is there as like an off field analyst, like just, just hanging out, just <laughs> you know, drawing true. up plays. In the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's worth mentioning. No doubt. Sit, sitting in the film room, you know, uh, 18 hours a day or whatever they're doing. So um, I think off, I mean, offensively they're going to be good um, just based on their, their history there right now. And, and recently um, Kevante Turpin is one of the most exciting players in the country. They've got receivers. Kyle Hicks is, is, plenty good enough to be that that spread back that can be the counter puncher um and then defensively look i i, I just i don't think gary patterson is gonna have to, uh, a stretch of bad defenses and um they're really good in the secondary that's a good place to be in the big 12 that's a good good strength to have and we're we're two years removed from 11 and 2 we're three years removed from 12 and 1 for some reason, and I don't know what it is, but like last year's season felt like it was a, like a three-year stretch for TCU. I, I like we've just sort of forgotten that they can be really good. Yeah, and and, and I just think it's it, there's not like a bunch of household names on this roster, but it's still I I, I think that they've just based on being just a, your typical anonymous TCU tough team. I, I really just and in, in having visions of of a lot of big wins for this squad. Oh man, nah, TCU's reputation got punched in the face by Travone Boykin at the hotel bar and still hasn't gotten up. <laughs> that's, the, that's a great call. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah, like I, I don't know, man. It was there were so many times last season where I felt like uh, I was I was down. Um, I feel like I was watching the TCU game as like my third screen. And you would just be like, "What the hell right. are they doing right now?" It's, hey, right. do you do you guys see what's going on over here? Like, and that's obviously um, a, a team that has uh, sort of struggled to to find itself offensively, and I think a lot of that does come from the quarterback position in Kenny Hill. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. That's you know we talked about. There's got to be some unders there. I've yeah. got I'm I'm feeling feeling some other teams a little bit more. Uh, one of them being. Well, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say no. I I, I think the one thing you do have to, to to keep in mind, and one thing that hurts them, I think, is they're at Oklahoma State, they're at Kansas State, they're at Oklahoma, um, you know, they're they're at Arkansas. I, I think you know the schedule doesn't set up great for them to win some of the games that they need to win to be in that top tier of the conference. So, I don't think an an over is going to be an easy pull here, but I I'm really reluctant, I guess, to bet against Gary Patterson with. I mean, this is the most experienced team in the Big 12 coming back. And so, to me, that counts for something. And Kenny Hill, um, 
has has shucked the Kenny Trill name, yeah. and he's all about the business now. And so, hey, let's. Let, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of roll the dice with them. I think Kansas State. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Got one of those teams where uh, where they might be able to get in there and uh, and make some noise. You're you're bringing you're bringing Jesse Ertz, senior quarterback. Um, you Ertz is the starter here, right? Like we're not going to go through any quarterback shuffling. Oh no! This yeah. is the guy. This is like Bill Schneider to a T. Like this 2012 is, Colin <laughs> Klein type we're, stuff. We're in Colin Klein territory right now, brother. Yeah, I yeah. think he's he's the guy. Uh, a, a manageable schedule. I mean, like I the Vanderbilt game. Like I, I love Derek Mason. You're right there in Nashville. You might have a different read on this, but I got I got K State there. So I think we're looking at uh, a pretty strong start. You get West Virginia at home. You get Oklahoma at home. You get TCU at home. Uh, I man, the the over under uh, according to the latest Bovada numbers were at eight. I've got Kansas State as a nine win team. I'm going over. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the math on like where I'm at right now with with my picks and whether these all like match up and are are feasible. But I'm kind of with you on the over too. Um, you know, this is a lot of overs for me in the Big Twelve, but I I think. To me, this is the best K-State team since Bill Snyder was risen and, and, <laughs> and returned to, to, to bring them back to glory. Like I, This is, this is going to be one of his best teams, I think. And, um, you know, this is, I mean, this is the Jesse Ert squad, and as long as he stays healthy, I mean, this is going to be one of those squads where, like, hey, like, it's, it's third and 12, and, and you're like, well, this is, this is a punt situation like there's no ways they can get pick up 12 yards but then jesse Ertz like scrambles and and stiff arms somebody and and gets a big gain and it doesn't seem like he can throw from from you know me to you but he can somehow figure out a way to to, to pick up third downs um i just I, I like them figuring this thing out and um i think to me the one question the one concern i have is when these older coaches start to like when they hit the wall or when they go over the edge like they plummet and they like all of a sudden like have lost their marbles and i i got a little sense like just a little taste that is bill snyder kind of starting to get to that point when Mm. you know a he's had some health issues right b like when when they wouldn't let um i'm blanking on the name now the the wide receiver uh, transfer. Oh, Sutton, uh, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Corey Sutton from uh, from North Carolina. I think you know when they wouldn't when he wouldn't let him transfer, like he wouldn't give him a release to anywhere, and then he and then he basically told the media that he doesn't believe in letting anybody transfer when they haven't you know because what precedent would that set? And oh, by the way, he's failed drug tests and just sort of started babbling about all this sort of privacy information. To me, that was like, okay, whoa, where are we in Joe Paterno territory? Are we in Bobby Bowden territory? Like, are we in, like, did, did he take a, a, a turn um, for the worse here? And so I, as, 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 I mean, Bill, I think this is probably, he's, he's sort of on the, he's definitely on the back nine here, but I think, you know, is this the last year? Is, is, is next year the last year? So in some ways, as long as he doesn't, actually kind of get to the the back end of that that hill um i i think this is a really good team but i don't know do you do you think bill snyder is still <laughs> still still all there as a how old are we at now 80 mid 80s right yeah um i i think that this team might be it and we'll see it and like whether this team is able to because there's there is uh endearing curmudgeon where it's like oh oh we love him he's such an old curmudgeon type thing but then there's like man that was a really mean thing to do to like a young dude and that's uh that's what i got from that and we'll see like if if they if this kansas state team is not able to uh secure like at least a a good win or so to give the players like it's the a good vibe and good confidence by the middle of the season. I could see November getting ugly, but I've just got money on like you said, uh, calling a zone read on third and twelve, and then just watching them somehow convert. Well, and and I guess also the other flip side of the Bill Snyder thing is maybe maybe by mid season, maybe they start out five and zero, oh, uh, 
Beach Central, Arkansas, Charlotte, Vandy, Baylor, and Texas. And then there start to be just a little buzz, maybe not publicly, but just in the locker room. Hey, this is Coach Snyder's last year. Like, we got to go do this for him. And then the, the, the beef of their schedule hits, and, and they're, you know, they're really ultra-motivated, and um, this is like that, that swan song for him. So I, I could see it. Um, uh, this is, this is going to be, a, I think, a fun team to watch. All right, Texas Longhorns. Um, seven and a half is the number. And the big number for me is like all of the yards that Deonta Foreman had that are now gone. Like there is, uh, we're going Shane Bouchelle in entrenched at quarterback. You think? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, He's, I, I think he's got a little Colt McCoy in him. I think he's, I think he's got some real, Special intangibles. Um, what, and what do you think about Sam Ellinger? So I, I think he's a gamer. I think he's a good player. I don't like him as as much as Shane Buchel. Ooh, um, he's Sam is there. There are different players in the sense. Like one thing I have concerned about with Shane Buchel is, and I don't know where he's at physically right now, but he's a little bit of a um, more slender built guy. He's you know if he takes a bunch of hits, I don't know how well he's going to be able to stand up. So I think, but, and, and, you know, the flip side of Sam Ellinger is like a, he's, he's almost looks like a linebacker back there playing quarterback. He's six, two, he's like two fifteen, two twenty. He's, he's just this stocky thick kid that is, has a lot of, you know, less of a sudden version of, of Johnny Manziel. He's more of like a, but he can, you know, he can extend plays and, and scramble and, and make throws in a lot of different areas. But I think to me it's a, it's Shane Buchel's team. He's you know he's got he's getting great reviews in the off season. He's he's a a special leader, and and I think he's going to really be able to to operate this offense really well. And and I don't know like I I talked to a, a coach at Texas last during the fall last year and was like this guy Deontay Foreman is is really special. Like he's one of the unique backs we've ever had here. And and yet, to me, in, in some ways, I don't know. I mean, he was big and fast, um, but I think the fact that he was drafted, you know, mid rounds in the NFL, tells you that he's not to, in, in the NFL's eyes some like crazy unique talent. To me, Chris Warren has a lot of the same qualities. I mean, he's Ooh. another 250 pound back. He's also really fast when healthy. Um, you know, that offense last year just sort of. I mean, there was it was it was a great offense to operate in as a running back, um, and and I think they'll be able to get Chris Warren going this year too. Uh, so I'm not super worried about the loss of Deontay Foreman. Um, it, to me, it's about just is is all this talent that Texas has been commu- uh, accumulating. Are they gonna are they gonna like nut up and 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 live up to some of their like their rankings like? Stop living off your rankings, guys. Like, it's time to actually play. Nothing bothered me more than last year when all these guys were, like, bitching and moaning about, you know, their coach getting fired. It's like, well, look, go, go be Kansas, and you don't have to worry about that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for these Texas guys to start, start playing to their ability, which I think is, is really significant. But I, I think Tom Herman is the kind of guy that can get them to do that, though. So, like, on the d- defensive side where you've got guys like Anthony Wheeler, Malik Jefferson, Edwin Freeman, like these guys that had high ratings coming in, they've been on the field for a couple of seasons, but they've been a part of defenses that, you know, while very good according to their ratings, are not being able to help team success. Like, is, is that uh, a side of the ball that you think can be a strength for the Longhorns this fall? It should be, but I still don't know that we we can have confidence that it is. I mean, they're returning ten guys, but there's I mean, their secondary is a bunch of X four stars and 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 they just get toasted. And and I think they'll be better this year. They've got some experience and everything, but um, again, like Malik Jefferson is a great example. He's he's all over the the first round mock drafts, early mock drafts, but. You know, when you read the, our, our Texas site on 24-7 Sports, um, you know, Bobby Burton, one of the insiders over there, is, is saying that Malik Jefferson sort of, you know, hasn't quite won over the new staff yet. Like, they want more out of him. They're, they're not satisfied with the way he's playing. And so, 
Um, you know, he's in no way, I think, trending to be a first round pick based on what we're hearing inside Texas. And so it, it's, I, I, you know, Gary Johnson's a unique guy. He's a Juco guy that's like a legitimately at linebacker is like a 4 3 4 4 speed guy. So he'll be flying around and maybe he can provide some, um, some presence defensively. I, I do really like Malcolm Roach. I think he's a football player. I really like Brecken Hager. He's a football player. That's who they need. They need some of these tough guys who are just football players, as opposed to these rare talents who who maybe don't you know haven't shown they've got the toughness. So I, I think Texas has got to find an edge. Is bunch, the of com- line. bunch of combine stars is what I'm hearing. Kinda, I think maybe yeah. yeah. And I think Tom Herman has got to, you know that's I think Tom Herman understands that that they've got to find an edge and but golly. Chip, I mean, th- this is this is a, a roster that should be able to compete for a Big Twelve title. Um, but I just, you know, are they? I don't know. It's going to be. It's just fascinating to fi- to to see what's going to happen because we, as we talked about a lot, I mean, this Big Twelve, there's there's not a lot of easy games in it. Um, so I'll be really interested to see what this what this team looks like. All right. So over under was at seven and a half. Are you over? Uh, that's this is a. <sighs> Yeah, I'm inclined to say over at eight, but you know what? I'm just going to go under. I'm going to say seven. I'm mm. going to say just, you know, they're five and seven the last two years. I, I think two a two-win bump in Tom Herman's first year is probably reasonable. Uh, I'm, I, I think I'm – even as talented as this team is, I, I, I'm a little more bullish on a few of the other teams in the Big 12. So I'm going to go seven and five. For me, where, where, where you got it? Uh, I got uh, very. I got over, but I've got a very specific prediction. I think they're eight and four. I think they beat Oklahoma because it was like Tom Herman at Houston always won the big game, yeah. but then had like one game or two games where Houston really shouldn't have lost. You know, so it was like when Tom Herman got hired, we're like, well, we know that guy's gonna win Red River and lose to Kansas State, <laughs> like. <laughs> Mark, yeah. Like chalk it up. That guy loves to get his team up for the big games. You know, Houston beat Oklahoma. Houston beat Louisville. But man, they would get out there and lose to somebody else in the American. So I, I got him at eight and four. But it's it's going to be a rocky eight and four, is what I think. You know what I could see happening too. So like they start two and one, lose to USC. I tell you what's a tricky game is Thursday night in Ames, Iowa. Oh like, boy. Look, man, I want to go to a, I don't I want to go to a weeknight game at Iowa State. I mean, that's for a team that's that's traditionally really bad. Watching those like weeknight games uh, at Iowa State on TV, that atmosphere looks awesome. Do they have any Sam Richardsons left? Sam B. Richardson or wasn't that the, the dude's name? <laughs> They've. They've got uh, – we'll talk Iowa State, but they've got – I mean, they, they've got some tricky players out there that can, I, I think, figure out a way to, to make things interesting. Um, so that – anyways, I think that's an interesting game. But but then here's the what I was getting to. Then they go Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, two of those games at home. And then there's your there's your game that they you know they beat Oklahoma and then they end up losing to Baylor at Baylor, you know, in, in, a, in a sort of a mediocre year for Baylor. So I – that's a tough stretch to follow up with a tough Baylor team on the road and then a tough TCU team on the road. So it's just, um, I don't know. I think this is going to be an interesting team to watch. I think if, if this could potentially be one of the, the most exciting, fun teams in college football, though, because I think Shane Michelle's really likable. They've got a big 250-pound back. They've got a slot receiver in Devin DuVernay who's like a 10-200-meter like a guy, like one of the fastest players in the country. But he's like five ten, and then they have Colin Johnson on the outside, who's like six six two twenty, and I know, so it's just all these almost just sort of free. It's like a carnival out there, just like these freak show athletes. And if they can just get something going, this could I mean this could catch fire and be one of the teams that the, the whole you know, all of college football uh, gets excited about. But look, I'm I'm just at this point with Texas, like I'm just ready for them to prove it. Dennis Dodd wrote this week that West Virginia might have one of the most potent offensive attacks in the country. You mentioned Will Greer as one of the most impactful transfers around. Uh, this West Virginia over-under, I'm looking at it right now at 7 on Bovada, juiced a little bit to the over. Uh, so we're talking like a 7-5, and 8-4 and four type season for Dana Holgerson. 
Um, what's like, are, are you, do you think that the arrival of Will Greer is going to be impactful enough to make the Mountaineers uh, at least like, like last year until that snow game against Oklahoma, we were taking them real seriously. You know, they were jumping up in the rankings. They put a yeah. bunch of wins together. Uh, do you think that they're going to have at least that kind of season again, where you've got to take them seriously as a threat in the big 12? I mean, I, th- I thought Skyler Howard last year at quarterback was was pretty like bottom of the barrel. I mean, obviously he could operate that offense, but in terms of just like a f- like physical tool set, he he didn't bring much to the table to me. So, you know, when I was looking at this team, I was like, all right, Will Greer. You know, if if Will Greer's on on last year's team, man, they could have been. And then I looked, and like, I mean, they were ten and three. They, you know, how much better could they have gotten? I guess maybe they could have gone like twelve and one. Yeah. I mean, they they were they weren't going to beat Oklahoma with with Will Greer. So, I, I to to me that that tells me a couple things. One, I think that that Tony Gibson is the real deal as a defensive coordinator. Um, they lose a ton on defense, but I I think they're going to figure them some things out and and be pretty serviceable defensively. And I think that Will Greer on offense, I think it's going to totally change things for them. I think they're going to be a lot more explosive in the run game because of what teams are going to have to do to defend Will Greer in the pass game. Justin Crawford's going to have a big year. They've still got really talented receivers. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this is uh, seven wins sounds about right to me, but. Again, when I look at them getting ten wins last year, again the Big 12's improved, so it's hard to hard to really compare this year and last year. But for them to get ten wins last year, and then for them to me probably be a better offense and still probably be okay on defense, it's while while seven wins looks right, it's still hard for me to like subtract. I guess I guess it would have yeah, except three wins from their from the regular season total. Um, so. I'm at seven, but man, it, I, I I feel like I may be selling them short a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna go push seven as well. Seven and five sounds right. I think, uh, I I give, I give uh, Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer a lot of credit for some of the success that we saw Will Greer have during those first six games at Florida. Is that unfair? Like, is that totally misguided? Well, because it it, <laughs> it it felt. Let's like- give let's give the the. Uh, the Mexican creatine some some credit too like <laughs> I got I, I think it, it, he was he was always a a really talented thrower he was just a 170 pound kid or whatever and as he got stronger and bigger which was going to happen I just think he gave it a little bit of a, a, a you know juiced it up a little bit as he got bigger and stronger he was going to be that guy at quarterback and I I think I mean, I'll give them some credit, but I, I think he's a, I think he's a talent. I think he's a really, really talented kid, and I don't think that they they created him. Um, I, I think he's like as a thrower in high school. I remember him like he was special. Oh well, and, what were they playing eight on eight? That little small school out there in <laughs> Davidson County. Oh no, man, hey, come on. Hey, that, that's that's real football now. But he was putting <laughs> up some ridiculous numbers, and hey, like they always throw out big time numbers at that school. But I, I just think, like, I, I, I've seen through the guys at that school that haven't had the unique talents, and I think he does have it. And then when you watch the spring game this year, he looked really good. Like, he, uh, I, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm giving the guy too much credit, but I, I think Will Greer is, is a dude at quarterback. Nice. Um, I'm, hey, look, hey I'm, still, a public, I'm a public school kid in the state of North Carolina. I'm just, I'm just hating. I am just yeah. totally just hating. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, I talk, I talk trash to, I talk trash to all, all of my friends that are at North Raleigh Christian Academy. Like all, all the eight man football in the state of North Carolina. Just talk a lot of trash. I'm like, until, until you're playing against Dexter Lawrence at Wake Forest, come talk to me. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. But hey, he he played a, against those dudes in the SEC, and you looked true. all right. That's so, true. That's you true. You know, I'm, I'm, I still. Um, I still think he's going to be a, a baller, and and David Sills is is back from his quarterback experiment, and looked really good in the spring game too. So, uh, you, you know, Javon Durante and and Greg Jennings, and I mean, he's got some guys to throw to. Ah, man, I think that they got a chance to have some some 
another really good offense. I, I'm, I'm feel like I'm loving up every Big 12 team in some ways, though. So I, I should, I should probably tone it down. But I just, I think that, I think that Will Greer is, is the real deal. All right. Well, the good news is that we've gotten to some teams that I am, uh, I'm not super high on. So I think that the over under balance is going to be brought into check here. Uh, Iowa State, five and a half. Texas Tech, five and a half. Let's talk about these two before we get to the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, Will Texas Tech ever field a defense, in your opinion, under Cliff Kingsbury? <laughs> it's amazing to like to think. For me, thinking about Cliff Kingsbury heading into this season, and and like trying to find a way to be optimistic about his defense, is I can't. Just, like, <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> like, what must he be thinking right now? Like, oh my god! Like how? Like in some way, he's figured out. I'm sure he spun this and like. They had a good spring practice or something, and he's probably like figured out a way to think these guys are are have got a shot. But I don't know, man. Like I I don't know where they're gonna stop anybody again this year. Uh, I see a bunch of basketball scores again, and and you know while Nick Shimanek is is probably the next Cliff Kingsbury pupil that's gonna put up stupid numbers. I don't. This is I feel like they're in in. in deep waters right now with the rest of the big 12 at five and a half i'm going under five and seven for the red raiders yeah which which probably means that cliff kingsbury is is looking for a job next year and and you know that in lubbock that's that's not something they want to do like they want cliff kingsbury to be the guy and i want him to be the guy how fun would that be for cliff kingsbury to continue like to turn texas tech into a power but at this point like i, I just i don't know how you can have much confidence that it's going to happen. Iowa State at five and a half. Um, that's the, all right, so you mentioned Iowa State's got got some players that you like. This is a, a team where, like, I think that there's a like Matt Campbell, very good coach. Like we yeah. know we know that Matt Campbell is a good coach, and they've got like weirdly some good skill position talent and from what yeah. we saw from him at Toledo I I think I like uh I think I like Iowa State you know as we've got to sort of slide teams up and down I think I like Iowa State more than Texas Tech I think I might like Iowa State as a bowl team wow there you go yeah jumping on that uh, yeah okay cyclone bandwagon so I I to me it's, it's about I do have have faith in I do like Matt Campbell as a coach, I mean, they were three and nine last year. I, I think five and seven sounds right this year. So I'm 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 on the under. What's the number? Five and a half. Yeah. So I'm on the under, but I sort of see this team as they they lose a lot of you know most of their games. I guess you would say, but they they're also that team. That's oh, they're going to be in a lot of games. I just they're gonna I don't, be, yeah. yeah they're going to be in a lot of games, and they're going to they're going to pull at least one like big upset, you know maybe two. Like they're going to sneak in some 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 big upsets over the course of the year. Um, I just think that this is they're just not good enough yet. I think the rest of the Big Twelve is good is is, is just better than them right now, and and I think they will get there to where they're really competing regularly in this in this conference, but. Um, I just don't know their year there yet. You know, Jacob Park at quarterback is is good. I don't know. I think he's okay. Like he's th- this isn't a Will Greer type transfer to me. No. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. the both their running backs, David Montgomery, Mike Warren. Uh, um, I mean, I think both those guys are good. And then Alan Lazar, Lazard is 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 stud. I mean, yeah, uh, that dude's a, that dude's a player. Um, you got a quarterback playing middle linebacker and Joel Landing. So like there's there's some intrigue to this team. Um, I think they'll be fun to watch. I think they'll be fun to to cheer for and, and kind of root for some upsets. But I, I just man, where where are they, where are you seeing them them dig up those six wins? Like right. go through the schedule and, and point out my the six. Here we go. Six wins. You gotta start with I'm gonna give them a decent shot against Iowa. I think they get northern Iowa. I think they definitely get Akron. I'll give them a decent shot against Iowa. I think they take an L against Texas. I think they take an L against Oklahoma. Big confidence-building victory against Kansas. We're talking like maybe a 20-point win. I think they can get Texas Tech. Uh, I think they take an L against TCU. Uh, They probably take an L in Morgantown. And I think that between Baylor and Kansas State, they'll ruin someone's someone's late-season push. On the road, but all right. So here's if they're going to go to a bowl, 
And and look, I don't think it's crazy to think that, but if they're going to go to a bowl, to me, which is sort of exciting and fun to think about, I think that means they beat Texas at home on a Thursday night. Oh, that one's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's the one and, for sure. And so that's like that would be just for college football and just for like drama purposes. Like I don't know, that, that would be kind of fun to see. I mean, isn't that the narrative of like college football is like brand name Texas goes into Ames on a Thursday night and loses, and like college football fans are just high fiving everywhere. Circle the game, everybody. Like I think that's one to watch. There's gonna be that that whole crowd is gonna be all in that like bright like gold and and uh it's gonna i don't know it, it'll be uh, that'll be one that I, i'm anxious to see all right bringing it home we got kansas uh three Pfft, that's sad i don't I, I don't know what to say about kansas football are we like <laughs> no no let's talk about kansas football i this is like i'm a geek but man like kansas it sort of has me I, I, like this i i think they're gonna win three games i think they're gonna go over but like for some reason, I've never been like this excited to see what a three-win team looks like. Nice. I mean, they've got they've got the the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year on defense in, in Dorrance Armstrong. Oh, their defi- uh, their de- their defensive line in general is pretty sick. Pretty good defensive line. They got this kid Mike Lee who was who should have been in high school last year. That like middle of the summer decided he was going to graduate early and go to Kansas. Who was really good as a freshman. He's playing safety. He's a sophomore now. You know they've got Doug Meacham in there now as their offensive coordinator, who was just like a a, a steal from TCU. I mean, people have been h- trying to hire him as a head coach, and now all of a sudden David Beatty's getting him as an offensive coordinator. And and then they've got an offense that's got a bunch of Alabama and A and M rejects. I mean, you know, uh, Laquiviante La Gonzalez. Uh, is is the Texas A and M transfer? Dalen Charlotte is the Alabama transfer. For both those guys at receiver. Charles Baldwin, who some people thought was going to walk in and start last year as a JUCO transfer for Alabama, he he didn't. You know, he transferred to to Kansas and, and has has a chance to start. Uh, like I don't get me wrong. Like I don't think this is a, some team that's going to uh, make a run for a bowl. But I think David Beatty's on the right track at Kansas. But you and think it's three and nine. I kind of feel like it's a three and nine, but I think also this is a similar to Iowa State. I think they play a lot of teams close, and look, they got can they got Texas last year. I mean, don't be shocked if they get it. You know, if they pick somebody off again this year, and, and um, I, I think that everybody that plays Kansas has to like actually watch that game now. You can't just sort of, you know, check the score and and you're up thirty and and keep on drinking beer. Like you, you better pay attention because Kansas will sneak up on you. All right, so. With uh, a rebooted offense, including the offensive coordinator and some playmakers, they can put up points. They've got a disruptive defensive line. But boy, in a in a league where they pass as much as they do, they are. Uh, I don't know what to think about that secondary. Looks pretty green to me. Okay, my my man Mike Lee, he's the returning starter. So yeah, you're right. I mean, they got some guys that 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 don't have a, a ton of experience, but I do like the one guy that Mike I'm sort Lee. of familiar with there. But. The, the the one other Kansas note that I got to mention too, just about the 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 general like uptick arrow up in the program, is they're recruiting really well right now. Nice. They're 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 thirty third in the country right How now. How in the, the hell in is the that happening? Rankings. <laughs> They've and and a big part of it, you know, that kid Mike Lee's from from Louisiana. Uh, they've got a, a coach Tony Hole, who used to be a, a high school football coach in New Orleans. He's absolutely crushing it in the state of, of Louisiana, particularly in New Orleans. Like they've got a, a bunch of guys committed, several guys committed out of Louisiana that are are they're you know picking Kansas over a bunch of SEC and Big Twelve schools. Um, so it's there's some things working right now at Kansas. Like I I don't know what they're doing, what they're putting in the water, like what those visits are looking like. That's getting these kids so excited, but. They're, I think they've got some believers out there, and to me, that that trickles up to the rest of the team. Like if 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 they're, you know, generating that much belief on the recruiting trail, then I feel like they've got, that's got to be something that comes from, you know, those guys talking to the players on the roster, those guys, you know, being around the the team, and and seeing that there's some belief in those guys' eyes too. So um, I, I think David Beatty is is a guy that's quietly doing one of the better jobs out there in, in, in college football. Wow, that's I mean, bringing a whole bunch of the New Orleans metro area talent to your team has never really hurt. 
Like no. that's 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 <laughs> that's, uh, that's a pretty good pipeline to open. That's awesome. Uh, he yeah. is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast. That's the best way to guarantee that you don't miss a single episode, including uh, some special guests that we will be rolling out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will continue with our season previews, and then you'll start to hear even more voices on here. Uh, Barton, man. Man, a lot of fun. This is you're, you're the only guy that can do it that well. I appreciate it. No, man, this is great. Let's uh, we'll, we'll talk again here soon. <laughs> <laughs>